0: So if you are new here, my name is Caleb, and I am uh, glad you came um, tonight. Like, you are, like I said this morning, like you're, you're extra special, you're, you're missing an hour of sleep, and I didn't realize like how drastically that would affect me today, but I feel like I missed like six hours of sleep. Uh, but man, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you uh, came tonight. We are in the middle of this series called No Filter, where we're looking at some of the things that Jesus really just clarifies for us. Um, And and, and in the Bible, in Matthew 5, you see him start this sermon where he's preaching to people and and really saying, hey, here's who I am. Here's what life is about with me. (coughs) And so we're diving into that. Um, So this is your time. Just put your phone on vibrate, on silent, uh, whatever you got to do. And then just make sure that's not a distraction. I'm going to speak to you for like 15, 20 minutes, and then uh, then we're going to go. And so I just encourage you, like, that you give this time to the Lord, like, there's a lot of things you could do to talk to other people or hang out with other people. And you can do that any other time. And so right now, I just encourage you, okay, I'm gonna give this time. I'm, I'm really gonna try to focus on what Caleb's saying. I'm gonna focus on God's word. Just, man, what does God have for me? What, what does God have to say? And if, if you're in here, you're like, I don't know if I believe in God, then, then give it an opportunity. See, if, God, if if God approaches you tonight, like if, if there is a God, will he speak to you tonight? And so I just encourage you, that you would um, listen and focus. I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, I thank you for tonight. <clears throat> I thank you for my friends here. God, I thank you that that is exactly who Jesus is. It, what we are singing about, that it was God made man with us. And that is who your Holy Spirit is, that, that it is God uh, with us and in us. God, thank you for not being a far off and distant God. You are one who deeply cares for your creation, who cares for us. Lord, your word says that you, um, you were saddened when we are saddened, God, that, that, that it, it breaks your heart to see uh, us grieving. Lord, I, I ask that tonight um, that you would just show your love, that we would feel and know your love, <clears throat> that we would understand your text how it was meant for the reader at the time, and Lord, what we can take from it, God, that we would just understand it, that you would use this time. Lord, thank you for showing up, for being here, God, for, um, for changing lives and saving lives. I yeah, ask so you do that tonight. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody in here, uh, band kid, like you're like in band, like you love the band, you play in the band? Ser- There's not one person. Okay, Bella, sweet. Okay, what instrument do you play, Bella? Okay, sweet. It's one band person. All right, okay, band. There's a couple of band people. Why are y'all so ashamed? Like, if you're in the band, be proud of it, all right? So check it. In the sixth grade, I decided I was going to join the band because in sixth grade in Texas, you have two options. You can either take art classes or you can take band. And I was not a fan of art classes. In fact, in the 10th grade, I failed the second semester of art. art? Look, that is my question to this day. How do you fail art? But regardless, I failed art. Anyway, so here's the deal: I took band, and I went in at the beginning of the school year, like a week before school started. You get to go in and you get to meet the band director, and you get to pick out your instrument. Now, here's how Texas works: is you have a fifth and sixth grade middle school, and then you have a seventh and eighth grade junior high. They're two different schools. So in sixth grade, I'm in band with this band director. And I go in, I'm like, man, I'm playing the drums because everybody knows that the drums are cool. And so I went in, I'm going to play the drums. And he took one look at me and he's like, you're playing the tuba. And I was like, shoot. So I walked out playing the tuba because, and I quote, he said, I have good tuba lips. I don't know what that even means, but if you want to know if you have good tuba lips, check out these babies, right? And if they look similar, then you probably do. So I walked out playing the tuba. Now, here's what you need to understand. I did not care about the tuba hardly at all. And so I didn't really practice that much. Like we played, my brother played the bassoon. And if you've ever heard the tuba and the bassoon play the same song at the same time, but no other instruments, it is the worst sounding fart you've ever heard, right? It's just like, okay, whatever. So, so anyway, my mom is like cringing. I play the tuba. I had a great relationship with my band director in the sixth grade. And so in the seventh grade, moving up to this new school, there's three bands you could get in. You could get in like the seventh grade band, <clears throat> which is basic. You could get into the concert band, which is like kind of middle of the line, and then symphonic, which is the top band. And so the sixth grade band director would evaluate your performance and then tell, you, tell the, the middle school band director, here's what band they need to be in. So I show up at seventh grade year one year into my tuba career, and I'm in the concert band. I'm feeling kind of good about myself, I'm in the middle band, like I'm not in the basic band with with the losers, right? Like I am in the good band in my mind. Of course, I am this like 100 pound kid playing the tuba, so I myself am kind of a loser, but anyway, so I'm in there, and there's me and these two other people, I'm terrible, they're pretty good, it makes the difference up, we're good. The problem was somebody in the symphonic band leaves. And so the band director at the new middle school is at the junior high in eighth grade, the seventh, eighth grade band director. He's like, hey, I need someone, one of you three to move up to the symphonic band. So here's what I'm gonna do. I am going to set you aside. and We're gonna meet Just you and me, and then you're going to go through your scales, and I'm going to see how good you are and see if you can move up. Cool. The problem with this guy is I had zero relationship with him. In fact, he had scars on his face where a grenade blew up. He's serious, okay? Like any guy with a grenade scar, you don't mess with that dude. And so we meet, and I'll never forget this meeting. He's like, go ahead and play your scales. And I'm like trying to play them. That is the basic thing you learn, ladies and gentlemen, for you non-band members. You should know your skills. The problem was, I didn't know my skills. And in fact, what revealed in that moment was the only reason I was in the concert band was because of a relationship with a friendship that I had with a sixth grade band director. And he was like, yeah, you're kind of hilarious. I'll put you in the middle band. That relationship was gone. So guess what happened in eighth grade? I have no idea. I quit the band. I was so scared. I was like, now you're out two tuba players, I'm out. Because I knew I was gonna be the one eighth grader that actually got moved down a band and not up. Like, it was a bad deal. (laughs) That my performance wasn't going to win me that promotion in band. Now, here's the deal about our world. Is that's the way it works. That everything you have been given, all success that you have, comes through two things either a great relationship or a great performance that everything you've been given has been has been you've been either given it or received it everything you've received has been either because someone knew you and you had a great relationship with them they loved you hey merry christmas here's this or you earned it that you performed your way into it like everything everything you have you either earned because of great performance, or you had a great relationship, everything. Like that's the way our world works. Now here's the thing, when it comes to winning in life, in our culture, a performance will give us always more than a relationship. That your performance will always give you more than a relationship. In, in 11th grade, I was going to fail chemistry. If you're not cluing in, I'm a terrible student. I was going to fail chemistry, but because I was nice to this kid in the corner named Jeremy, Jeremy, right? Because I was nice to Jeremy, the teacher was like, I like you. You know what? And I've told uh, some of y'all this story where she comes to me one semester and she says, or one, one of the six weeks or whatever, she says, hey, you got a 71 this, this six weeks. And I'm celebrating Like, yes, chemistry, 71. And she said, guess what? You got this one all by yourself this time. Yes, I have not, I didn't fail a six weeks. She always just bumped me up. That a great relationship may cause you to pass, but hear me, a great performance may get you an A. A great relationship may get you on a basketball team, like you know the coach, and they may be like, you can join the basketball team. A great performance will get you on the court. A great relationship may get you a job, a great performance will get you a promotion. That when it comes to winning in life, your performance will give you always more than a relationship. And then here's the downside to that in our culture is that we become very performance driven. That everything is based on our performance. And then it begins to affect our identity. That if we have a bad game, then we begin to feel like we are worthless. Our self worth and our value, our, and, and 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 our 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 preconceived notion or our understanding of how other people see us, right? Like that, all is wrapped around. Man, did we have a good game or a bad game? Did I, did I do a, have a good test or, or a bad test? That, that when you have a bad test, you're like, man, I feel worthless. In fact, even how our day is going is tied to our performance. A bad test may ruin your day. Man, I had a bad day. Why? Because the whole day was terrible? No, 30 minutes of my day was awful. But it ruins my whole day. Hey, man, my, my week is going great. Why? Because last Friday, I won a game. That it determines like how you are feeling as a person, your performance. Like we become very performance driven and then hear me out, here's what happens is then we see our world through this lens of if you perform and you do good, then you're great. And if you don't, then you're not so much. And we believe everyone else sees us that way and then we apply it to what we know about God that we believe and begin to believe that God's feelings for us are based on our performance. That when we do good things, that he's pleased and he loves us more and he's okay with us and he may bless us. But when we do bad things, it's the exact opposite. In fact, you've probably heard this, where someone did something dumb or rude or mean and this is what they said, I'm gonna go to hell for that. Ah, oh, man, I'm going to hell for that. And they're probably joking but there's some level of belief in that. There's, there's always some truth in every joke, like a little bit. And where someone believes, man, actually, like, I really do believe that God is, in fact, like, stepping away from me because I did that, because I said that, because I made God angry with me. That we apply it to God, that, that it is our performance that determines his feelings for us. And in fact, the, the whole Old Testament has these promises of this guy that God was going to send, that his son, the Messiah, he says, man, he's going to send him and he's going to deal with all the wrong things in life and he's going to make all the wrongs right and he's going to make everything better. And so the people at this time when the Bible was being written, they were people who believed, man, they're looking for this guy that would come and change the government, come and change everything. And what they were doing until this guy came was a bunch of rituals and a bunch of religion to make themselves pleasing to the Lord. See, there's a bunch of laws on how people were supposed to follow God in the first part of the Bible, And so these people were following all the laws and they were making up their own laws because they couldn't follow all of them. They were like still sinful. And so they were making up their own to make themselves feel better. And they were making all these laws up. And they believed that this guy, when he came, that, that God on earth, when that person that God sent Came that he would begin and rewrite society and make a whole new list of laws, and they would be people who were held above the rest, who were who were pleased and, and, and were pleasing to the Lord, and they were some kind of holy and some kind of special. And then Jesus begins to speak, saying, Man, I am the guy that this Old Testament talked about, but your perception of me is not right. And this is what he begins to say. He says, Don't think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. What you need to know about prophets is in the Old Testament, there's these people that said, repent, turn from your ways and turn towards God. That's what repent means. Hey, if you're going one way, he says, man, turn from that and head towards God. He says, there's these prophets, they always would come and God would send them and say, hey, speak my words to these people. They need to know I love them. I want to warn them, hey, your ways are are sinful and, and there's gonna be destruction in your path. Turn from them. And so he says, man, I'm not coming to discredit any of those guys or any of the laws set. He says, no, I did not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them or to fill them up, to live them out in my own life, to perfect them. He says, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or even one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. This is the opposite of what they wanted to hear. So I didn't come to get rid of the laws. I didn't come to do that. He goes on. He says, therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. If you are performance driven, you're like, okay, now you're giving me a bar to, to, to set to. Like I'm gonna follow these laws and I'm gonna be called great. And then some of the people you gotta know did what we do is they begin to look around and they begin to say, man, I'm not that bad. Like, look how bad they are. Like, at least I'm not as bad as them. At least my grades aren't as low as them. At least my sports records aren't aren't as bad as theirs. Like, at least I'm better than them. And they began to do that, but Jesus goes on and he expands in a few verses later where he says, hey, here's what you need to understand about the laws and about what I'm calling from you. He says, even if you think about hating someone, he says, man, that's equivalent to murder. Those of you who look good on the outside, who think you've got it all together, who should be appearing as more holy than others. He says, no, even in your thinking, if you're like, man, I hate them. He's like, you might as well have murdered them when it comes to to how I see it. Like, man, that girl's hot. He says, you might as well have slept with them according to how I see it in the level of sinfulness. He says, man, it is that bad. He's like, it's not just how you let everyone see you act. He goes, I know your thoughts. I know your mind. He goes, man, even in that, it's sinful. So these people are kind of like getting hit and hit and like, man, like I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to be pleasing. I thought you were gonna rewrite this. I thought you were gonna lift me up when you lifted yourself up. And you were saying, no, 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 you're not getting rid of them. And then he drops a hammer. He says, for I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses or goes beyond or goes above that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you who the scribes and Pharisees are. Back then, the Jews had this saying where they said, man, if only two people get to heaven, only two people are going to go, one's going to be a scribe and the other is going to be a Pharisee. But that's how holy they thought they were. That's how great, if God said, okay, I'm going to pick the two best people Here's who it is. I, I'm going to pick, like he said, there would be a scribe and a Pharisee. And Jesus says, no, it, you, your, your righteousness, your goodness, your perfectionist, like, like you being perfect should surpass that of them. It's like if you're sitting in your class and you hear on the, on the announcements that the principal comes over and he says, hey, I uh, hope you guys are having a great day. Here's what you need you to know. Good news about your grades. If you wanna pass this grade, if you wanna graduate seniors, you've gotta be smarter than the smartest kid in your grade. You've gotta show me that you are smarter than the smartest kid, that's it. When you can do that, you can graduate. Anybody in here the smartest kid in your grade? Like you're like, I know I am the smartest kid and my homeschool does not count, okay? Check it, I know, and you, this, may be, this is gonna be very surprising for you. This is going to be very surprising for you. Out of 800 students in my grade, I was like 457, right? Like I was like right in the middle. The smartest girl, the smartest person in our grade was this girl named Wendy. She ended up going to Harvard. I think she owns Google. Like I don't know what she does, but she is like stupid smart. And and it's it's like the principal coming over and saying, hey, the Wendy in your grade, you've got to be smarter than that. So for these people who are sitting back and hearing this are saying, well, and even if you are the smartest and you're great, what he's saying is, no, you've got to surpass how smart you already are. He's saying, hey, even if you are the best, you follow all the laws, you are the best. Hey, you've got to do a little bit better than that if you want to come to the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be into the kingdom. For these people and for us who are performance driven, this is a devastating blow to say, man, what he's saying is there is no way that you on your performance will ever make it into the kingdom of heaven. That there's no way that you'll ever do it. This is challenging for us because we can sit here and it's easy to think that good people will go to heaven. Good people. Like, I know a lot of good people. Like, good people should go to heaven. Like, they'll go to heaven. And what Jesus is saying is that good people aren't perfect people. And unless you're perfect, your performance isn't good enough. Just because you're a good person, that's great. It's better to be a good person than a bad person. But good doesn't get you to heaven. He says, no, it's perfect. It's perfection that gets you to heaven. So then I have to ask, how do you get to heaven? How good do you have to be to get to heaven? What he's saying is you have to be as good as God. And How do you be as good as God? I love what Jesus is saying. He's like, only by one way. The only way that you can be as good as God is when God gives you his goodness. There's only one way to get God's goodness. The Bible says is that the way we get God's goodness is when we place our faith in Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior. That we receive God's goodness, that the righteousness of Christ, the the goodness of Christ, the perfection of Christ then is credited to you. It's like you coming to that final day of school and you're like, I know I'm not smarter than the smartest person. I know I haven't done better than the best person. And the principal comes and you stand before the principal and you're like, look man, I got like a 2.7 GPA. And he says, no, no, my books say you got a 4.0. That Somebody gave you their score and took yours. That Jesus is saying, "Hey, there is no performance that you can do, eyes right here that'll get you to heaven." He says, "Because it's not about a performance, but it's a relationship that, needs to, that leads to new life. There are two things in life that that for the reason we have everything that we have, one for great performance or two, great relationship. And Jesus says, this is one of those cases where the world wants to say that winning comes through your performance. And Jesus says, but there is no performance that will ever make you perfect. Bible says, but in God's great love for us, Jesus died in our place. To give us his perfection, that we would be credited his righteousness, his goodness. See, the common thing in this room, you need to understand this the common thing right here is that we're all gonna die. Yay, (laughs) fun message, right? We're all gonna die. And when we die, we are all either going to heaven or to hell. And some of you may be in here and you're like, man, I don't know if I believe that. And I would say not in a, in a rude way or a mean way, but just simply that just because you don't know if it's true doesn't make it not true. It just means you are unsure if it's true. And when we all die, the Bible clearly says we're going to heaven or we're going to hell. Jesus is saying is that there is no amount of performance that you will earn your way into heaven. There's no amount of righteousness. But Instead, we see that Jesus gave his life for us to credit his goodness to us. It's not about a performance, but about a relationship. It says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how many times you've come to church. It's about a relationship and a faith in Jesus. So how do you get as good as God? You don't. Some of you in here, you need to know that you are struggling on the opposite side. You're like, man, I am bad, and I have a hard time forgiving myself, and I have a hard time believing that Jesus could ever forgive me. Paul in the Bible who killed Christians, who killed people who love Jesus, which is much worse than what you've done. He says, man, I have been credited Jesus' righteousness. that You can be too. That if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, you've never placed your faith in Jesus, what you need to know is you're not, you haven't just always been a Christian. You don't always just know. You're not just born saved. You didn't just come to church and just start being saved. That there comes a time in our life where we stand before God here on earth and, and, and we praise God and we tell him, Man, I recognize in this moment that I am sinful and that I am in need of a Savior because if I died right now, I know that I would not go to heaven, but I would go to hell. And so I recognize what Jesus did for me and I trust that his death on the cross and his resurrection defeated death in my life. He took my sin. So I'm asking you to forgive me. You'd be the Lord of my life. Some of you need to have that conversation with the Lord. Right now, you, you may even feel God tugging at your heart calling you to know him personally. You've been coming with this misconception that you're gonna earn your way, that you're gonna be good enough. He says it's not it. It's not it. And some of you in here, you know Jesus, and, but your motives have been wrong, that you have been trying to please God instead of saying, man, I recognize that out of my relationship, man, he is motivating me and calling me to a new life. It says that when you know Jesus, you become an ambassador for Christ, someone who doesn't reside here on earth as their permanent home, but says, man, I take my culture and I take my understanding and I take my love from a new source. I'm going to live that out here. I'm going to show you my Christian culture. I'm going to show you my Christian love. I'm going to show you my forgiveness and my mercy and my grace. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to to place a judgment on you even. I'm going to just love you. I'm going to show you Jesus. He's called you to be ambassadors. Some of you have made that decision, but you're not living that out. Just because he doesn't call, he says you can't perform your way into heaven doesn't mean he doesn't call you to live for him. So I encourage you as you walk from here that this would be on your mind. It's not something we earn, but it's something we have been freely given.